Tēnā koutou katoa, you're listening to Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific, Kokoroi Hawkins, Aho. The Marshall Islands has taken two really big steps to rejoining the rest of the world. The Marshall Islands lifts its COVID-19 state of health disaster also. The French junior overseas minister Jean-François Carinco uh, was in New Caledonia for several days this week. Opposing parties in New Caledonia are to hold talks with France in Paris and later on... From a footballing sense, for us it means uh, more competitions. National football teams from Melanesian countries gathered in Vanuatu for the resurrected MSG Prime Minister's Cup. The Marshall Islands has lifted its state of health disaster after three years and opened its borders to normal travel. It was first put in place in mid-2019 in response to an outbreak of dengue fever and was continuously extended when COVID spread globally. The North Pacific nation was one of the first to close its borders when the COVID pandemic started and remained COVID-free for more than two and a half years until last month. Joining me now is our correspondent in the Marshall Islands, Gif Johnson. Kia ora, Gif. What's the latest? Okay, so the, uh, the Marshall Islands has taken two really big steps to rejoining the rest of the world following our first outbreak of COVID in early August, uh, just last month. And so the the first one is that the cabinet approved reopening the borders uh, after two and a half years of having managed quarantine requirements and very strict rules uh, in the past, which is why they why we were able to stay COVID free until just last month. In any event, as of last week, uh, there are the, the only restrictions in place for coming to the Marshall Islands are that you're get, that you will be tested on arrival for COVID, and if you test positive, you'll be instructed to isolate at your house or at a hotel for five days, and then do a follow-up test to confirm that you're not positive any longer. But Essentially, that's it. And my understanding is even that requirement may be lifted uh, after a bit because, I mean, if you look at the situation around the world, very few countries are uh, are testing people inbound. And, and, you know, if your borders open, you just open and, and move on. Uh, so that's the big one. The other one, just this, just uh, uh, Thursday this week, uh, the, the, emergency or the health disaster declaration that had been in place for over three years lapsed and has not been extended. So we are no longer in a state of health emergency or disaster. And so that's like just, wow, (laughs) three and a half years or so dengue fever first with all kinds of rules and restrictions segued right into COVID with all the rules and restrictions, and now we're done. And so that's where we're at right now. Um, In terms of visitors and people coming in and out, is that visible? There are certainly, well, there's, there's only been three inbound flights since that. Uh, And certainly there have been people on that. And, you know, it's kind of a shock for us who essentially we've had a monthly repatriation group 
that comes in through managed quarantine and and pretty much everybody gets out at the same time unless they were positive and then extended but so you'll see you know 40 people come out of quarantine and sort of filter in and you go, oh when did you come you know but it's like mostly it's been marshallese or people who you know long-term residents that sort of thing so it's like now it's gonna be you know consultants and donors and visitors and who knows i mean just you know folks get tourists imagine a tourist showing up in the marshall islands now so I mean, that's that will start. And I mean, we still have right now, there's still a mask mandate in place, um, but probably it will get I mean, the I know the National Disaster Committee wants to uh, eliminate that uh, and some other things. It's sort of there's a little bit of political stuff involved in it. So the cabinet may decide they want to weigh in on the mask issue and make the decision. And I think, you know, the the thing is the numbers are just unbelievable when you think about COVID. I mean, we're a small place, 42,000 people, but for the first, once the first cases were confirmed within a week, we were at over a thousand cases a day, which is an astronomical number compared to the population. So within 10 days, we had over a quarter of the population officially tested positive. And then it just dropped off to nothing. And in less than four weeks, we're down to one positive case in Maduro, zero at Kwajalein, two here, one there, zero. And just like, it's just what it is. So I think the the what the health people are saying is the masks, the testing, these various things, you do this when you have a new, like a new variant shows up. Maybe you want to do the mask as a protection for that. Uh, but at this time, I mean, COVID just isn't really around very much. I mean, yeah, of course, people can still get infected and it's there's still a few cases. Uh, but uh, that's that's the state of play as we are right now. Talks involving New Caledonia's pro- and anti-independent sides, as well as the French state, will go ahead in Paris next month. This was announced by France's junior overseas minister, Jean-Francois Karenko, in Numer at the conclusion of his official visit to the territory. The talks are framed as a meeting of a committee of partners, which is to replace the committee of the signatories to the 1998 Numer Accord. RNZ Pacific senior journalist Walter Zweifel has been following the story. The French junior overseas minister, Jean-François Karenko, uh, was in New Caledonia for several days this week in an effort to restart the dialogue between the pro- and anti-independence parties and the French state. The issue was that after the referendum in December, when the majority voted against independence, the pro-independence side uh, said that it would not get engaged in any talks in France on the future of New Caledonia the FLNK said if there were to be talks, they had to be held in New Caledonia. And the only issue that they would like to discuss was a path to New Caledonia's full sovereignty. Now, Mr. Karenko met all sorts of leaders, all sorts of politicians. And what he could announce before his departure was that there would be talks in France, in Paris, involving also the pro-independent side. Now, the details of what is going to be discussed is not quite clear. However, what is certain, according to Mr. Karenko, is that there are going to be 
tripartite talks, that is, talks between the French state, the anti-independent side and the pro-independent side. These talks are framed as so-called uh, partner talks, a, a committee of partners meeting, and that is a subsequent uh, arrangement to the so-called committee of the signatories to the Numi Accord. This whole process of decolonization under the Numi Accord was supposed to end with discussions on how to move forward. Now, these talks are going to be reframed, but they are in essence a meeting of the signatories of the Numi Accord on the way forward. So, correct me if I'm, I'm wrong here, Walter, but, but before before Karenko went to New Caledonia, the, the two things that we were certain of was one, FLNK said they would only meet bilaterally with France, and two, they wanted the talks to be in New Caledonia. That's correct, yes. And the change now is that the FLNKS appears, according to Mr. Karenko, agreed to have tripartite talks. That is sort of a, a wrap-up of this Numia Accord um, process, plus that they agreed to go to France and not to have the talks on whatever future status in New Caledonia. Uh, there is also a provision in the Numia Accord that should there be three no votes, which we've now had, the Numia Accord stipulates that the parties concerned should discuss the situation that has arisen. And in that sense, the FLNKS seems to be able to comply with what they had signed up to back in 1998, that at the end of this process, with obviously three no votes, they will join talks to see a way forward. What's also interesting in this process is that, uh, <clears throat> hold on, what's also interesting in this uh, outcome of Mr. Karenko's visit is that uh, the original plan that France put to New Caledonia after the referendum in December uh, to have a vote in June next year, that has been canned. That was uh, the decision by Sébastien Leconu, the predecessor in the overseas portfolio, who announced shortly after the vote that a new statute on a new Caledonia within France would be drawn up and put to a vote in New Caledonia in June next year. Uh, at the beginning of the visit to New Caledonia, Mr. Karinko said that, that timetable will not be adhered to and a vote on a new statute will be held once it is ready. We don't know what time frame is got in mind, but that is sort of a concession or an admission that the process initiated by Mr. Lukonu was not sustainable. And it was an ambitious process to say that there was going to be a new statute ready within, let's say, 18 months from the announcement, given that in the meantime, we've had a French presidential election, we had parliamentary elections in France, a process that, of course, took several months, and it has only left a little bit more than half a year to draw up uh, whatever future plan there is. Now, the anti-independent side, of course, says the referendum was binding. They're expecting a, a deal uh, that will reintegrate New Caledonia into France. Uh, the pro-independent side is insisting that there has to be uh, a recognition of sovereignty according to international law, which is, uh, you know, giving the Kanak people the right to be decolonized. So uh, the problems uh, continue, the challenges remain, but uh, at least we now have a change in, in the sort of frame that these things have been said in the sense that all parties will meet in France in October.
Last Saturday, September the 10th, a Tongan language learning app was launched at the New Zealand Parliament Building in Wellington. The launching of the app, named Takua, marked the final day of Tongan Language Week in New Zealand, which ran from September the 4th to the 11th. RNZ Pacific's Finau Fonua was there and filed this report. There are other Tongan learning language apps in use, but none as comprehensive as Takawua. The app, designed by New Zealand tech company Kiwa, was launched by the Wellington Tongan Leaders Council at the Beehive with over 200 guests in attendance. Council member Tai Tui Nukuafe says the app acts as a translation and learning guide for those wanting to speak Tongan. The Takawa app was uh, basically a dream come true for the Tongan Council here in Wellington. And it is designed, it's an innovative um, a tool in the effort of uh, sustaining the language, the Tongan language and culture. Only 12% of the 15 year old can speak the language and it's important for us to uh, ensure that we have uh, something for our young people and and, um, their families who are wanting to learn more of the culture and the language, that they have something on their fingertips. According to Statistics New Zealand, there are more than 82,000 New Zealand residents of Tongan heritage. And although the majority understand Tongan, only 15% of those younger than 18 can speak the language fluently. It's this decline that has many Tongan elders worried and has prompted initiatives such as the Dakuwa app. Mia Latai Maumi, the head girl of Wesley College, a predominantly Tongan school in Auckland, shares these sentiments. I do feel the same way. It's hard to see our generation now speaking our mother tongue in public. I feel the only time us teenagers and kids will speak our cultural language is at home. I feel as if our generation is shy or too scared to be proud of their own culture because I feel that um, being raised in this generation, there's a lot of judgment. The name of the app, Takaoa, means companion, and it was chosen by Tongan princess Angelika Latu Fuipeka. Takaoa was officially launched by Latu Fuipeka through a virtual address from her residence in Canberra, Australia. Latu Fuipeka told guests the app would serve as an effective tool that would help younger generations in the Tongan diaspora learn about their heritage. The purpose of Takaoa is to encourage learning how to speak Tongan as early as possible and to motivate users to progress with the learning process. The Dagawa app is a superb creative assistant for Tongans learning overseas and non-Tongan speakers who want to learn more about the Tongan language and culture. Hueni Nuku, chairperson of the Wellington Tongan Leaders Council, says that ensuring the Tongan language was spoken by the future generations was a duty. Nuku said the culture is inherent within a language and therefore it needed to be understood and spoken fluently. The Tongan language carries and embodies the content of Tongan cultural identity. So people who acquire the Tongan language also acquire the Tongan culture. Learners of Leafakatonga, whose first language is Leafakatonga, will be able to participate more effectively in family, church, and community activities, the better they can speak the language. As they become parents, they will have a special role to play in passing Leafakatonga onto their children. The Dakawa app is available for free download on Google Play and App Store.
The MSG Prime Minister's Football Cup will start on September the 17th in Port Vila in Vanuatu. Four Melanesian countries and territories are taking part, Fiji, New Caledonia, Solomon Islands and the hosts Vanuatu. Jan Kohor reports. An estimated 3,000 people are expected to turn out for the much-anticipated matches. Vanuatu Football Federation General Secretary Albert Manaroto says the cup will provide more game time for the Melanesian teams. From a footballing sense, for us it means uh, more competitions, not just for, for, for the other teams. It is quite clear that uh, teams need more playing time, international games. So this is an opportunity for the five teams to have more games. The tournament, which was originally called the Melanesian Cup, hasn't happened in 22 years due to no funding. However, it has been resurrected by the government of Vanuatu and FIFA under its new name. The secretary of the MSG Prime Minister's Football Cup competition, Henry Bill, says although separate from the main World Cup qualifying tournaments, participation in the Cup will affect teams international ranking. Looking at the past uh, record and history of the Melanesian uh, Cup before, not all countries participated because it's not compulsory and it's not recognised by FIFA. This time around, the MSC Prime Minister's Cup, it's a tier one competition recognised by FIFA and it's compulsory for um, everyone to attend given the ranking. It will affect their rankings. Papua New Guinea, the Vanuatu national football team and its development team are in Pool A, while Fiji, New Caledonia and the Solomon Islands are in Pool B. All teams, except for New Caledonia, have arrived in Port Villa. The Kanaki team is understood to be experiencing some visa issues at the border. Ngā mihi mō te whakarongo mai, koi nā te mutunga o ngaru te moana nui a kiwa. Remember, you can download us free to your device from Spotify, iHeart, or Apple Podcasts. And if you're using Apple, please leave us a rating so others can also find us. Ka kite anō.